You are listening to the Grand Central Sports Podcast, covering New York sports and beyond. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Grand Central Sports. I'm Andrew Vancura, alongside Ricky Valerio and Gavin O'Grady. How are we, boys? Doing great. Doing great. Not so great. We're pretty, we're pretty down bad over here on this side, I got to say. Oh, boy. So in that case, Ricky, why don't you start us off? We're going to start talking a little basketball here. We will start with the New York Knicks. We thought they were getting on track after that Pacers game. Oh, boy, Rick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the floor on this one. Yeah, so I was going to say, usually here, what we try and do, we try and cover, you know, the past couple of days that's gone by. So typically, we would talk the Pacers game for Monday, and then we'd go to tonight's game. I could care less about the Pacers game at this point. Okay? You just lost to the Orlando Magic. For the second time at home, you now are two and five at home, two and six at home, or maybe no Pacers three and five at home. And the Orlando Magic are four and 11, and they're two and one against the Knicks and two and oh at the Garden. Can someone please make that make sense? Make that make sense for me. And, and you can't, right? Mm. You just can't. I want to just say, look at the box score, but it goes a whole lot deeper than that. I just don't. The Knicks right now to me feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NFL. Like they play the good teams tough. And then when they play a team clearly below their talent level, they play down to them. I was thinking the exact same thing when I was watching this game tonight. They, they can run with a good team, but they over, I think they just overlook games and they just expect a simple win especially they've been a multiple point favorite, like a, like a double digit favorite in multiple games this season. And not only did they not cover that, they got, they just flat out lost. I mean, this is, I think this is a little bit concerning the way they've been playing. I would definitely say it's concerning. I think the more concerning part though, is less the game itself (laughs) and more the fact that, man, this starting lineup has no chemistry or sustainability. It seems like this, I, I mean, this starting it, lineup just feels bad. When when you when you go out and you sign Kemba and Fournier to be your one and two going into the season, I a lot of people I feel like had high hopes for those two signings. And yes, it is still oh, absolutely. But for these guys to only be getting like 20 minutes a game, not playing clutch moments, they both combined for 10 points tonight. And I feel like there's been so many games this season where they just don't perform. Yeah, Fournier's had a couple of big games, Kemba went off in Charlotte, whatnot. But there's been more games that they didn't do that, and they only had like eight, ten points, and they weren't playing the clutch minutes compared to those very few games where they were hot and they were going off. And it's just Rose and Quickly and Burks and guys like that are getting all these big minutes when if they're hot, they're hot. That's fine. But wouldn't you want your big signings to be, you know, the quote-unquote hot players and be playing in these big minutes? Absolutely. And I mean, you look at, here's a scarier thought. Look at Obi Toppin, actually. One of the things that we should be applauding from this game, Obi Toppin looking good. 100%. In 17 minutes, he outperformed or really didn't outperform, but performed about the same as Julius Randle in 32. He put up the same, almost the same numbers. Randall only took one shot inside the three-point line. That's not like him. I think that was a big part of this game. Again, I will I will keep saying this until the Knicks stop doing it. All they do is shoot threes when they get down big. They were yep. down, they were down four. I think it was um a hundred to ninety-six at this point. And Burks forces a three with about 10 seconds left on the shot clock. The Knicks go down, they get a stop, and then RJ forces a three. Why are we forcing a three? When we're down four with a minute and a half to go, drive to the basket, get a get a layup, draw a foul, do what you can. If they don't force those threes and they get two layups, it's a tie game and it's a different atmosphere and it's a different vibe. I just hate that this team just thinks that they can just chuck up the three and just pray it goes in. Alec Burks took 12 threes tonight. RJ, 0 of 7 from three tonight. Like they got to cut it out. They cannot keep chucking up 40 plus threes a game. They stayed shot 49 threes tonight. You cannot shoot 53s. This team is not built for that. This team is built to drive and shoot mid-ranges. The only guy I want shooting a three is quickly, Randall when he's open, and Fournier. Other than that, I don't think many many people should be shooting on this team. Kemba and Rose can hit it occasionally. I'm not a big fan of Burks. I think he's very inconsistent, and he shoots too much. 
I, I just I can't believe that this team is shooting 53s a game. That's unheard of. You know, the numbers are kind of deceiving because if you look around the league right now, the Knicks are actually like top five in three-point percentage and like top six, I think, in three-pointers made. Here's the they thing, are. Those numbers are kind of misleading from a few games where they went like off. I, I was going to say that. I think and that's it does not. Yeah, it does not seem sustainable to your point. And here's a more terrifying number. Free throw percentage and field goal percentage, both in the bottom 20. They, they, they're historically known for not being a good free throw shooting team. I mean, RJ Barrett, when he first came into league, you were lucky if he went one or two, he's improved, but he's not a great shooter. Mitch gets fouled a decent amount of times and he's most likely going over two. And then, and then Randall just like, even the game in, uh, in the, uh, no, not Indiana before Indiana. I'm sorry. Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah. He missed three late free throws. Yep. He's missing free throws at the line too. Like you got to just capitalize on the free points. And the one other uh, number that's really scary here. 24th in assists. That tells me from a basic number standpoint, too much hero ball. Too much of just throwing up shots, hoping stuff goes in. I'll tell you right now, the only person right now that looks solid and consistent in the starting lineup is Mitchell Robinson. Like, that's literally it. Yeah, because all he does is get blocks, rebounds, and alley-oops. And that's all we can ask for him. And and he's doing his job. He just got to stay healthy. That's all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't – it's crazy. But no, I, I definitely see your point with the hero ball. And that, and that goes back to what I said with Burks and RJ taking those two late threes when there was no point. There's, you had plenty of time left to make a play. Uh, I, I don't see a point in shooting a three when you're not 100% open in that scenario, when especially a guy like Randall had only taken one shot today from the mid-range. I don't even know if it was a mid-range. It could have been a layup. I, I, honestly, I only saw the second half of the game. But for him to only take one shot inside the three-point line is – unheard of i mean this is a guy that sometimes in the first five minutes will have you know four or five mid-rangers already i mean why is he taking one shot inside the three-point line it, it doesn't make sense and now obviously listen this is a terrible loss to a terrible team but i will say this there's a three-game uh stretch here where we said the knicks had to have you know three wins really but to me, if they can take care of business against a terrible Rockets team tomorrow, two and one during that three-game stretch, it's not bad. It's not like something that could kill a season. Um, now, if you lose to the Rockets tomorrow, who are what? Have, they have one or two wins on the year? Something that, like that. They're like one of the uh, one in thirteen. They're one in thirteen. Yeah. So if you if you lose a game to a team like this, you know, on Saturday. Um, then you're in deep trouble. Listen, going two and one in that stretch that we, you know, kind of had, it could be worse. And then you, Sunday, it's a back-to-back against Chicago in Chicago, eight o'clock prime time Sunday night. That is going to be a phenomenal game. And if you can get another road win in Chicago, that'd be that'd be huge. And then you could kind of forget about the magic, the magic loss, really. So these next two games are quite big. And every game is big because I, I yeah. look at it. I look at it for all sports. I look at it. Every game matters when it comes down to it. We pick apart, you know, the Yankees before all, oh, if they won these games, we wouldn't even have to play in the wild card game where it would have been home. Like the same goes with the Rangers and same goes with any other sport. Like, obviously it's a, it's a tough loss, but if you can win these next two games, that'd be quite big. So yes, I understand that, you know, you're venting, but let's 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 just big picture it. Tough loss. He bounced back. Let's let's beat the Rockets and the Bulls now. Let's let's see what we got. Let's Let me put you this. Let me put you this way. I know yeah. you don't want to shake up the lineup too much this early in the season. But if you lose to a one in thirteen Rockets team in the Garden, nuclear sirens should be like. Oh, one hundred percent agree. That is one hundred percent true. You cannot lose at home again, especially this Rockets team. There's no ifs ands or buts. And really, yeah, no, that's. Kind of all I have for the Knicks on my personal take. I think they'll bounce back, and hopefully Thibodeau, he has to make adjustments. I don't – listen, the three-point shooting is abysmal, and, you know, I – you know, I'll, I'll admit I'm not the biggest basketball guy, but I do turn the Knicks on, and I've become a bigger fan, and I will say this. I watched a little bit of the game tonight, um, kind of kept quiet about it in the group chat, but I, you know – the three-point shooting is so bad. They, they take so many unnecessary threes. Yep. Just, I want to see the ball just worked around a little bit better. Just 
Oh man, it and I, I think Ricky has a right to be frustrated, but hopefully we can make adjustments. Adjustments is the key, and uh, let's get two big wins. You know, one at home and then in Chicago on Sunday night. All right, let's move to Brooklyn. Um, just finished up against the Cavs, a one hundred nine to ninety nine victory, uh, bouncing back from that Warriors game, which I think is what we'll start with. We'll start with that Warriors game. Um, there's no other way to put this other than saying they got shellacked. Like that, mm-hmm. that's the best way to put this. Steph Curry, oh, yeah. Just, Steph Curry came into came into Brooklyn and ran the show. That that's about all I could say. Oh, 100%. What's funny is I actually bet on the Nets, too, so sunk. I lost. Um, but, yeah, the Warriors are a legit team. If they could get Klay Thompson back, they are going to be a tough team to beat in the Western Conference. Oh, my God. I really think people have forgotten how good they still are. Like, yeah. It's just they haven't been healthy the past few seasons. And, obviously, you know, the Nets did get blown out. Durant scored, had a season low. You know, He's low the, 19, uh, the, uh, which, yeah. is, which isn't which is terrible, funny. but it's not – Which is funny. It's KD, so. But the entire offense did not look really put together. And truth being told, this was just an all-around bad game, and they got beat up by a, a very good team. And uh, what else can you say? They they bounced back tonight with a win against a tough Cavaliers team, in my opinion. I think the Cavs a team are scrappy. that's playing well above expectations. They are a scrappy team right now, and – um, they're a team that I compare right now. I compare the Cavaliers to the Hawks from last year, where just this team that's kind of come out of nowhere um, and are, are turning some heads. And actually, obviously, this, the Hawks were way more skilled. Trey Young, Clint Capella, you know, John Collins really em- emerged last year. But this Cavaliers team has some has some studs. I mean, Evan Mobley is fantastic. Colin Sexton's great. hurt. Colin Sexton's hurt, but he Ricky Rubio is playing well. the season of his life. Ricky Rubio is about to say he dropped what thirty-seven on the Knicks at the Garden, like twenty-five tonight against Brooklyn. So for yeah, so for the Nets to bounce back though, beat the Cavs by ten. You know now they come in, they play on Friday night. They play the Magic, and yeah. oh, they have to take care of business against a very Absolutely. bad team like that. And here's a here's one yeah, big positive I want to take. Here's one big positive I want to take away from Brooklyn. LaMarcus Aldridge looked fantastic. I'll tell you what, for a guy that, you know, what he, he said he retired originally, and for a guy who probably kept in shape but wasn't in basketball shape, as I like to call it, he's played so well for them, and it's a good story. I like LaMarcus Aldridge. I liked him when he was in San Antonio. Yeah. I liked him when he was in Portland. Like, um, you know, I am a big fan of his. I think he's a great player. And um, so I'm happy that he's performing well. But, yeah, he had a great game. Great game tonight, especially. There's only one thing that I want to uh, touch on for Brooklyn before we move on. Um, Stephen A. came out on ESPN today and went on a massive tirade against Kyrie Irving. Irving. Of course he did. Now, I know we've talked about this probably every episode. And you know what? With the Nets, we're going to talk about this at every opportunity, especially until, when he's a superstar, exactly until superstar. something happens. Kyrie was the guy who brought KD to Brooklyn. Like Kyrie was going to Brooklyn anyway. Kyrie is the one who attracted KD. Should should KD and that entire organization feel like betrayed by Kyrie Irving? Oh, I don't know, man. Because this this. The situation with the vaccines is very complicated. I'm one of those guys who, frankly, doesn't really care about it too much. You do whatever you you know yeah. you gotta you gotta do, and you know who whatever it is, I don't really care. It's your but from personal a, from from a pure basketball standpoint. from a pure basketball standpoint, obviously, because Kate, you know, Kyrie is a fantastic player. He's amongst the best at his position, amongst the best of the NBA, and of, of course, he's it's it's a in terms of basketball, yeah, they're they're missing him and especially probably KD because he like you said he came to the Nets because of Kyrie but at the same time it's a comp it's you know it's a very complicated situation especially with how strict New York is um and I don't you you don't and the problem is it's Kyrie if it was a basketball player who was like if it was a star player who didn't open his mouth as much as Kyrie does and stir up controversy as much as Kyrie does I don't think anyone would really care as much you know what i'm saying like 
Kyrie is, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Kyrie is so controversial as a person before this vaccine stuff. And the fact that it's him, I think it brings that shines extra light on it. I don't know. That's just me. So, of course. Uh, I mean, if this was Javon Carter, we wouldn't care. But the fact that it's Kyrie Irving. Not even Javon Carter. Not even like I don't consider Javon Carter. I'm talking about another star. It, like to me, I don't well, know. Here's, here's the perfect if, example. If this was someone who was not con- as controversial as Kyrie, I just think that. Here's the perfect yeah, example. Yeah, it would mean something, but it wouldn't. It, it, the people wouldn't be. The media wouldn't be so hungry to get after that person. You know, part of it is New York. I mean, obviously, look at uh, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, same situation. He chose not to get the backs. Yeah. But is nobody talking about Bradley Beal because he's still able to play for the Wizards? The it's only reason, it, because, only reason it matters DC's in this situation. Are different. Yeah, that's the only, but that's the only reason it matters. All right, let's, uh, let's move to the ice. Let's move on to hockey and happier things. The New York Rangers continuing their four-game win streak against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I mean, there's not really too much to say. It was a, it was a solid win, a little closer than I would have liked. Uh, I would have liked more of a statement win, but I'm, I'm not going to complain too much. Um, I'll give this one to you boys. I have never once complained about a win. Um, we, <laughs> I like, no, I'm being serious. Like, yeah, I think we should have blew, blew this team out. I think it should have been five. One. First of all, the, the, the goalie, Caden Primo, he, he's the back, uh, backup goalie for Montreal with, with Carey Price being out. He played fantastic in a fantastic first Absolutely. period. I thought we should have been four and up four nothing after the first. Even the goal Shesterkin let him was soft. He didn't really see the thing that the play behind the net that occurred that it caused the yep. wraparound. He didn't really see it. So I really I thought we should have been out of that first period at least up at least up two. Like does the only thing that concerns you out of this I mean, game, the power play, does that does that concern anybody? No, it really doesn't because a Montreal, I know they they are a bottom power play team, but I think Ricky brought up a good point. First of all, one of the power plays was like twenty five seconds, right, or something like that. Rick? Yeah, that's they. You know, they were gonna go. They were gonna pull the goalie in Montreal. The Rangers did not need to score a goal there. They needed to hold the puck. They needed to have possession. They needed to end the game. They didn't need to score there. There's no yeah. point. They needed to just keep the puck away from Montreal, which they did. I think that should count as a successful power play. Yeah, they, honestly, they yeah. Enough, yeah. honestly, yeah. I mean, and I think that's a good point. So really think about it. 0 for 2 on the power play. I mean, you can't score a power play goal every game. You yeah, know, it's of, course, course. of course. Chris Kreider, course. you know, won't end up with 182 goals on, you know, on the year setting. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be so sure about that. <laughs> But he, but no, on a serious note, what a win. We still four in a row versus Montreal. I'm not first Montreal, but in a row, great, you know, team effort. Uh, you know, we have some notes here. Capo Caco, right boys. He's starting to heat up. That's yep. a great sign. Uh, I know a lot of fans that are unhappy with how he um, has, you know, performed. And really, I just think. I would be tough. one of them. Uh, I'll tip my hat to him on this one. It's nice I mean, to see him get going. I get it, but this kid, I, I just don't I don't think New Yorkers keep in mind this kid's 20 years old. He's our age. Like there are some guys who have had some pretty illustrious NHL careers who didn't really get going until they're, you know, 22, 23 years old either. Like we got to keep in mind the kid's young. Um, I think he I think he protects the puck down low. I think he does a lot of good things besides, you know, they don't always end up on the score sheet. So um I'm happy that he scored the last two, you know, the last two games, but let's let's keep this going. Um, for Kako, for sure. I think that line's going to be filthy. You know, give them a little bit more time to build some chemistry. Let Kako start scoring some more goals. That's just going to be an absolute filthy line. I agree. It helps when you have Artemi Panarin on the line. Jeez, I mean, yeah, if he could, if he could start setting up Kako in, in like the zone and just like, be ridiculous. Oh, it's so nice to watch. And then we have another note here, and this is something that obviously sucked to see, but um, yeah. one of our wingers, Sammy Blay, out for the year. Um, torn ACL. You don't actually see that too much in hockey. Um, not nearly as much as in other sports. And yeah, he's out for the year because of a slew foot yet again. By My PK is so bad. I mean, it's pretty aggravating. Obviously, Sammy Blay, obviously we made the trade for him. Uh, we traded the Bushnevich trade, yeah. Yeah. Um, he didn't have a lot of points. I think he had like one or two points, but I'll tell you what. No, that, he was the grinder that, on that first line. Yeah, that kid is an absolute uh, – They his nickname in the locker room, they call him the bull. He's an absolute animal in the corners. He hits. He gets back on defense. 
Um, but he still does have a little bit of finesse to his game, which is why he was on our first line as that tough winger grind, grind it out first line. Um, and yeah, no, it's pretty upsetting to see, especially with the, it was a player like Subban. It was something that was entirely preventable. And yet again, nothing happens to him. I think this is just kind of like Rangers luck, you know, uh, Panarin almost splits his head open on the ice last year with Wilson. And now we have Sammy play again, his, um, his feet taken out from under him by a person who just doesn't play the game the right way, especially like that with, with plays like that. So well, when you put a goon in charge of, uh, in charge of the disciplinary committee, I mean, what are you expecting? Yeah, no, I yeah, I know, but dude, it's not even that. It's just like, and I saw a tweet actually. I don't know if you, I didn't even put this in notes, but this is just me, you know, free, you yeah. know, free speaking here. I saw a tweet t- uh, yesterday, and it was from a retired referee in the NHL, NHL referee uh, for 22 years, Tim Peel. He's actually pretty popular. Like people know who he is. And he released this statement and he was just like, oh, you know, I know PK not to be such, he's not a dirty player. He, the, the, quote unquote, this is what he said. I know PK is not a bad, uh, a dirty player. Um, he's trying to get the, it's a bad habit of his game. It's a bad habit. Are you kidding? What I, the six, hell does that mean? Like it, from a former referee, are you kidding? I mean, really? Bad habit. This is his what fifth slew foot of the season. He has, he's, already sixth, been, yeah. he's already been fined once, and and now he just caused someone t- to lose a year on their career. A young, a young guy. A bad habit is Zach Wilson not being able to pick up who's the mic. Not being able to pick <laughs> a bad habit is not a slew foot and injuring somebody and taking out their entire knee for a year. That is not a bad habit. A bad that's, habit that's is chewing on the end of your pencil or something, <laughs> or like a, chewing a, a bottle cap. A bad habit is not yeah, uh, quote, unquote, face yeah. a quote-unquote a bad habit in his game. Like, that's not – you're not defending the – like, that's not – that's indefensible, some of that stuff, because if you, if you just ride the guy into the boards, there's no issue with any leg or anything. Just ride the guy into the boards like you're supposed to. Like, if you want to do a little bit harder and try to knock him over, go ahead and do it, but – to stick your foot out behind the guy's leg so he trips, especially in corners like that where skates can get caught on boards or on the or a rut in the ice because that's how it happened. I mean, that, that's just, you know, it's unnecessary. And uh, But I will say I'm happy with how the team has played. And uh, I love the note here. We have Ryan Reeves absolutely kicking someone's ass last night. I mean, that kid challenged him apparently. Well, I don't know why yes. you would challenge Ryan Reeves. Why you Reeves challenge Reeves. Ryan Reeves, I have no idea. That's <laughs> just I mean, death wish. Jesus. Yeah, that was a legitimate ass kicking. And uh, that was awesome to watch because, we, we, you know, Rangers haven't had a guy like that on their team probably since, what, Tanner Glass? Tanner Glass, Ryan Callahan. Yeah, somebody like that. Or, yeah, like we've, we haven't had a, a person like that in a while. So it was good to see. With that being said, Rangers, they, they take on a very tough Toronto Maple Leafs team on Thursday night. Who we've beaten once before. Yeah, on the road, same same place. And they, uh, whoever wrote this note, 9-1 in the last 10. Yep. They've played extremely, extremely good hockey. They are also like the Rangers on a four-game win streak coming into this. Yes. So the, the battle, you know, of these two teams, two original six teams who are both, you know, shaping up nice so far. And then um, we were supposed to play Ottawa in Ottawa on Saturday at one o'clock. This that was canceled. Um, is this our the first o- NHL COVID outbreak. Uh, I Ottawa. believe it is. Ottawa. Uh, yeah. Ottawa has a COVID outbreak. Uh, it was said to be somewhere between seven to eleven persons related to the, the number. I, the number I have down is ten. Ten, 10? players okay. are in COVID That's a lot for for a hockey team. It spreads fast, man. Once it's yeah. in a locker room like that, that's just how that stuff goes. And, Once it's in a locker room. It and I around. get it, but it's actually kind of shocking. I agree with Ricky. It's shocking because I don't know if you guys knew this. The NHL, it, its vaccination rate is the highest amongst the four major sports, 99%. Yeah, and it's I think Canada. The NHL have something where the vaccines, like it's something when this was yep. all going around and in the bubble. Yeah, and yeah, yep. yeah. They, they, should, they should be up there. And but, Canada, who has yeah. some of the strictest regulations around the world. 
or at least they did, at least. It's shocking to see a Canadian team going through this. Right. But like we said, all it really takes is one guy, and then it's in the locker room, and boom, everybody's catching it. So Yeah, yes. so Hopefully actually, if you guys team. didn't know this, Ottawa actually canceled their next three games. One was against the Devils. One was against us. I forget the last team they are supposed to play, but their and next Uber, three – maybe? Maybe, but their three next three games are canceled. They're not forfeited because that's not the rule like the NFL, but it's their PPD. So um, No, only – oh, Nashville. Nashville, Nashville. There you go. Okay. okay. Yeah, Nashville and then tomorrow night for them. Sunday night, we have a 6 p.m. start at the Garden versus the Buffalo Sabres, who started out hot. Um, they were they're kind of been a laughing, laughing stock of a franchise. Um, oh, I will laugh at these guys till the cows come home. I love yeah. making fun of the Sabres. So we play the Sabres Sunday night back to back. Uh, actually, no, not a back to back anymore. Actually, that helps us to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, we get a rest day out of it. Instead of three games and four, we got two games and four. Yeah, so huge. So, fellas, we should be excited about our Rangers. Um, oh, yeah. and let's keep this going. It's the only team I'm excited for right now. <laughs> exactly. All oh, right, yeah, the Knicks will the Knicks will rebound. The Knicks, you gotta have faith. All right, the Islanders. Dude, I got. Ooh. I was uh, I was watching the Islanders, and um, who was it? Barzell, I think, scored mm-hmm. that first goal. And you're like, wow, Islanders up one nothing early. <laughs> you know, three minutes into the game. And then they proceeded for the next 54 minutes, then plus to 60 minutes to get outscored 10 to one and two oh. brutal losses down in Florida. And also, I know this is usually how we end it, but I just want to mention, do you remember how last week we mentioned they have these two tough games and then Calgary? Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know if we know this, but after Calgary, they got the Leafs. Oh, brother. Oh. This, is, this is a brutal, brutal schedule for the Islanders, man. I, yeah, I don't even know. Like, um, and where would you? Who do you blame for this? Like, like, what, what's the? Issue? I don't even know what to say at this point. I mean, maybe I have to start watching the games a little closer to see if I can pinpoint exactly what the I mean, problem is. To me, I, it's to me, it's scoring. clear. They're to not me, scoring enough. To me, it's so clear. Andrew, you're absolutely right. They're not putting the puck in the net nearly as well as they were doing last season or the season before that. And I don't know if you guys know, uh, today they announced that one of their defensemen, one of their big um, defensemen, Ryan Pulak, they signed to a a six-year contract extension. He is out now four to six weeks with a lower or upper body. I forget which one of the – probably upper body. I'm pretty sure it's upper body injury for four to six weeks an absolute blow to their defensive core. One of the best mm. in the league. This guy blocks shots. He hits um, one of those great guys in the defensive end. Another blow to the Islanders defense. Um, a team who has just let up so many goals this year compared to last year. Barry Trotz's defensive system is usually amongst the, the class of the league. And yep. it just it's been awful so far to start the year. Um, there's, no one, there's no one particular who, but... As a team, they are just not not good at all. It really just right now it's tough to be an Islander fan. I will I say the stretch sucks too. I, I will say the stretch yeah, sucks. Yeah, I mean the stretch is coming at the wrong time, but I just don't get it. Like there wasn't that much torn, turnover. If anything, they added talent. They didn't really lose anybody. I'll tell you what, Evan, like you said, there's really not a, a specific person to blame, I don't think, at this point. But if you, I'm just looking at like random numbers around the league, and yeah, I think the Islanders are one of the only teams, and mind you, this is through 13 games. They don't have a single player with double digit points on the season. Yeah, it's crazy. Just that, not that, boring. Yeah, that's that's actually crazy because I'll tell you what, they're not a team full of stars, but I know how I, you know, we're Ranger fans. They, yeah. our rivals are the Islanders. I pay attention to the Islanders all the time. If they're on, I'll throw the game on and watch and and sit down and you know engage in the game. And they have guys that can score, not, you know, they have Barzell who could score, thir- you know, more than 30 goals a year, of course, even potentially even 40. But his line mates, um, plus on top of Brock Nelson, you got, you got Anthony Bovillier, you got Josh Bailey. All these guys are probably 20 goal scorers, you know, for, uh, 50, 40 point guys or whatever. But it seems that it, these guys have gotten off to a very, very slow start and their defense is not helping them out. Their defense is not nearly as strong and it's causing breakdowns in the defensive end. And guess what? When guys aren't being covered and when shots are open, it's tough for goalies to stop those pucks, man, when, when there's no, not a defense in front of them. So, I mean, Ilya Sorokin, who has really taken over the, the role this year, playing 11 games to Varlamov's three, has been great. 
uh, only a 2.5 goals against average. The Isles are actually six in the league in goals against. So they're not, they're not doing a terrible job of keeping the puck out of the net. But as you said, Gavin, 31st in goals for 32nd in assists, 29th in shooting percentage, 30th in power play percentage. Offense. Offense is just not there. Abysmal. Those numbers, when you're telling me these numbers, that's abysmal. That is abysmal. It's horrible. The only team that actually scores less than them, I believe, right now is Seattle. I think that's the only team. And Seattle, yeah. Seattle has not been good at all either. So, yeah. So, it's it's trouble. a quick sidebar here for a second because you mentioned it with the Isles defenseman going down. The NHL needs to revamp their injury reports. Like, they have to be the most vague league when it comes to announcing injuries. What the hell is an upper body injury? Does he have a sore shoulder or was his head taken off his shoulders? What, I, I get what what is you an upper body injury? I, I don't – it's so ridiculous. I think, I think what they do it. is that they, they announce it like that at first, give time, and then they're, they're, eventually it comes out a few – either, you know, a few, a few days later usually. But I don't – dude. Wasn't that like Philip Heedle's injury diagnosis for like three weeks? Wasn't yeah. It, or like something like that? Wasn't it like that, a lower, lower body hell? injury? Like, yeah. I don't know what that is. But uh, anyways – in terms of the Islanders, they actually they're at home for the first time in their new arena. So let's say let's see maybe if that gives them a spark. Um, they're playing in front of their home home fans. I don't know if you guys know, they started on a, a six week road trip. It sucks when you're not playing in front of your own fans. That's brutal. Dude, and because they're just finishing up the UBS arena now, it's supposed to be a beautiful, beautiful arena down by the Belmont racetracks. I'm I definitely want to get to a game there. Hmm. Um Okay, you so know, I, I did let's not see if that'll that. go well. You mentioning that, I mean, yeah, I didn't it, know that either. It, actually, it's tough living on the road. So now that you do mention that, I honestly never picked that up. That might be the I mean, reason. Scoring that, that might still, be it. Scoring is still possible without sleep and being on the road. I mean, that there's no excuses for that. But for them to at least come away with a five, six, and two record, you know, worse, dude. I guess it could be worse if, if yeah. now that I realize they've literally played. All, all road games, yeah. Road. That that's like not very common. That's pretty unheard of. I have a comparison for you. This this past MLB season's Toronto Blue Jays, starting yeah. off the season in Buffalo, very mediocre, very bottom tier. Suddenly they get back to Toronto and they're one of the hottest teams in the league. Maybe the Isles coming back home can pick it up. Maybe yeah, maybe this is the spark they need. for that, I guess. For you know? sure, for sure, it's something to but, keep an eye out for. Yeah, but I just wanted to ask you one question. Yeah, Andrew, go ahead. Uh, so did you realize that the 37-year-old Zach Parise still in the NHL, and he's actually – I don't know how accurate this is. I don't really pay attention to every Islanders game, but apparently he's on Barzell's line. Yeah, that's yes. actually sh- – I, I don't yes, mind that. You, you don't – Zach, Zach Parise is a stud, man. He's 37. Do you think that that could be, like, part of the issue on that first line as to why Barzell's not, like – Not as long as his shot's still there, I don't think. I feel like a Parise is just a grinder. You know, he knows how yeah. to distribute the puck. I don't know. Led Bar- I think Barzell obviously is the dominant force on the well, line. Well, he's the, he's the Andrew Ladd of replacement on that line, or is Ladd on two? Uh, Ladd is gone. I think he's on the I'm sorry. Games. I meant uh, – I'm picturing somebody else. Apologies. But anyways – Anders Lee. Ricky, I, I, I meant Anders Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ricky, I get what you're saying, and – it could be something. I don't know. And that's honestly for Trot. That's for that's for Barry Trotz to figure out if 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 the line combinations are are not the thing. You know, if these guys aren't feeding off each other, then that that's something for the Islanders to figure out for sure. It's an interesting note for sure. All right, let's move to the gridiron. Uh, Ricky, your Jets taking on the Dolphins this Sunday. Your thoughts? So obviously, we heard from camp. Uh, Flacco's getting a nod. I don't know if I'm disappointed because I wanted to see Zach back or if I wanted, you know, White to get another chance. I I mean, he had a terrible game. You can't blame it all on him. Like we said earlier, he he or uh, Monday, he he was getting pressured all game. You know, it's not his fault. But um, Salah's point was that the Dolphins have a very aggressive defense. They played multiple different types of coverages. And obviously Flacco, a very experienced quarterback, knows that. I mean, every defense plays multiple different types of schemes and whatnot. I, I think that was just his excuse. I are think, we really about to talk of Joe Flacco's IQ? Is that what yeah. we're about to do here? Like, I, I think it's just that they they gave him his one shot, and that was all he was getting. And they know Wilson's their guy. So I'm a little disappointed that he isn't healthy yet. I really thought he was going to be back. I I honestly even said to some family members, I thought that he was healthy last week, and they wanted to give Wills, um White the shot that he deserved. 
I thought it was kind of just like, you know, we're going to, we're going to roll out with his knee, not a hundred being a hundred percent. And we're going to just give white his chance. But now obviously I was wrong about that. So I am glad that they are taking precaution with him. You know, that that's your second overall pick. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to run him out there hurt. And, and with that O line, you don't want to get him killed, you know, but one thing, I don't know if, you know, I Gav, I know you don't keep a hundred percent tabs on the jets, but ABC, I'm sure you pay attention a lot more um, to the Jets stuff. I haven't heard anything about Mackay Becton. I knew he was out for like a while, but I, maybe it hasn't been that long. I feel like he got hurt like two months ago. I know the season's only been going on maybe two and a half months or so, but I mean, when is this guy going to come back? Like, have you heard anything? I have heard not a peep like, about Mackay I, I have no clue. Which leads like, me to believe he's nowhere near ready to be back. Which, which is kind of concerning for a guy that they had so much hype about and who is an absolute monster absolutely absolute monster it, it's it's kind of sad though with with how injury prone he is and it's just like <clears throat> like how much is he really worth if he's playing six games a year you know well you know it's the same argument that people will look at when it comes to guys like zion williams and like makai beckton his one of his big knocks coming out of the draft was how much of his success was due to his frame at the college level and is that frame because he's a massive guy for a left tackle and he's incredibly agile he's a freak athlete but some uh, uh, i completely lost my train of thought a build like that isn't always sustainable at the pro level you see freak athletes look at guys like gronk look at guys like even julio jones to a lesser extent these physical freak players they break down easier so to your point it, it is definitely concerning and especially since yeah i have not heard a single thing about Makai Becton since he was injured. 100%. And it's just, it's, I don't know if that's, you know, on the coaching staff or whatnot, or if there's just really nothing to report and this guy's just not healthy. You know, it's just, it sucks not knowing. And, and a guy of his size too, I mean, it can't be easy going through any sort of injury. It's, it's going to be 10 times harder to recover from any sort of injury when you're that big. There's... All right. I got, I got an update here for you, Rick. Oh, you got one already? I... This is, uh, this came out, a day ago. It's from the New York Post. Oh, okay. I don't read the Post. Gab, you should have told me. I get updates from this usually. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't see this. Uh, Makai Becton is still, quote-unquote, weeks away from Jets return. All right. So that, that, that can be that could be another month. I mean... That might be season. I would be... I, let me put I mean, this way. I, mean, I would be shocked if they see him back. Obviously, when Wilson comes back, you don't want him getting killed. You know, it. you could just call it quits for the season on him but at the same time if you do that you kind of make Wilson pretty vulnerable you know from the blind side so like I do want Becton back protecting him so Wilson doesn't die but at this point you're you're two and seven probably going to finish with maybe four wins maybe it's not the worst thing to just kind of let him just rehab it out and hopefully I don't even know franchise left tackle I wouldn't take any chances right as I'm saying just let Moses or Fawn whoever's playing left tackle right now just kind of let them hopefully do their best. And you still got AVT on the left side, not the complete blind side tackle, but still left side protection. You know, I love AVT. There was this clip on him. He just drove somebody out of bounds um, against Buffalo. Obviously we got slacked, but it was just kind of, he's going to be a monster. I mean, not like he's Quentin Nelson or anything like that, but like, I think, I think we got a stud there. I love that pick. It was a solid pick at the time and it's looking even better now. The one question I wanted to ask you, Ricky, about this week is, is this the week we finally see a bit of solid expectations with this defense? Well, I think, you know, getting a matchup against a favorable offense, you know, I don't know, is it Tua, is it Brissett, who's starting? You know, they don't have an amazing run game, Miles Gaskins. He's an okay running back. Only real threat on offense is, you know, Jalen Waddle with Will Fuller being out, Devontae Parker being out. Um, I mean, Jalen Waddle's still a threat. Um, Mike Kosicki got blanked last week on like eight targets. So I think that this is definitely going to be his chance. Even if the defense does play well, it doesn't show much. You still gave up 45 points a week for four straight weeks. And now you're going to hopefully have a good game against a very mediocre offense who just put up like 17 points against a terrible Texans team. So this has to be. We're looking for life signs though, right? (laughs) Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread right now. You know, I, I do want something to be proud of to watch the game and not get 
murdered by the Miami Dolphins. Although, I mean, they played amazing against the Ravens. I mean, that defense wasn't, I mean, it, we could lose this game and it, we could lose it 14 to three. And it was like, Hey, the defense played good. You know, that's, that's a very realistic chance on Sunday, but uh, I didn't know this. One of the things is that Salah's not even calling defensive plays. No, and not for, I know he's the head coach, but most times the head coach, whether he's offense or defense typically will call the place for, you know, what he takes care of in a sense, like Adam Gase, when the jets were doing bad, he was like, Oh, I'm going to start calling plays now. Obviously that didn't help, but I just wonder when he was in San Fran, I know he had the talent and he doesn't have that now, obviously, but I just wonder like, if he did, he be did call team. plays in San Fran. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, will we see a change? Not necessarily this week, but something's got to give. And if it's, if it's Salah being the defensive mastermind that he is, why is he not calling your plays? Let him focus on the defense. Let LeFleur mo- focus on the offense. And who what, who cares about the offense right now? We got Joe Flacco as our quarterback. This is just a get-by-me stage. Once Wilson's back, then it matters more. As of right now, the Jets can go out and do you know the run-run-pass-punt. I could care less. Salah needs to figure out his defense. The offense is not a concern right now with Wilson not being on the field, in my opinion. To me, the whole not calling your specialty when you're a young head coach is a method of deflection. It's a way of biding yourself time. It's a way of saying, hey, look, I can only make up the game plan. This guy's got to execute better. And I notice it with a lot of these young coaches or these first-time head coaches in their, like, first season or two, especially on the defensive side. It seems they take almost more of, like, a game manager-type role in the coaching staff. And, you know, mainly when you see guys like that, it's usually because they're like a special teams coordinator, which is usually like your assistant head coach kind of realm anyway, like a guy like John Harbaugh, for instance. But it's true. And I think it's just such a weird thing with defensive head coaches. It seems to be a familiarity because again, I'll use, I use the example last time I use it again, Dan Quinn, same thing. Defensive guy comes from Seattle, doesn't call plays for the first few years until his job's on the line. Um, did Todd Bowles call defense his first year with the Jets, or was that some or when he was the head coach? I think I think Bowles did call plays, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Was Bowles an internal hire? I don't even remember at this point. Was he an outside hire? What do you mean by that? When Bowles was brought in to be the head coach, was he already on the staff or was he on a different staff? No, he, he was no, I don't think he was on the staff. I don't okay. That's what I was asking. I couldn't remember. Yeah, no, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that was an outside hire. But yeah, it's interesting. And like you said, it this we need to see something. Gavin, anything? Uh, the only thing I have to add is that I know the Jets um, have been getting schlacked on defense, but I think there are some some po- uh, positive signs on the offense. I think Elijah Moore is going to be an absolute stud. I love that kid. He really is a great football player. Um, I was He's out of Ole Miss, right? Another Ole Miss mm-hmm. wide receiver. So good. Um, and I know, like... I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. I know that like a lot of these plays, sometimes the touchdowns happen during garbage time, but those guys are playing for, you know, their livelihoods, even in garbage time, you know, so it does matter to those guys and even the defenders too. They're not just giving up touchdowns, you know, they're playing for their jobs as well. So seeing the jets still be able to, you know, score and Elijah Moore still contributing. He's great. Um, I think Michael Carter is going to be a very good running back. I think he's so underrated. He was always that second half, um, that second half of the package in North Carolina when he was there with Javante mm-hmm. Williams, and then he was that second package. And I always, I remember watching um, them and always thinking like both of these guys are legitimate running backs in the NFL. They definitely will be. Um, I obviously Javante, they got drafted first. But Michael Carter, I think he's still an underrated player. I think, honestly, I think Denzel Mims could be good. Um, he was very good out of college, out of Baylor. Um, he's long. I just I like his like configurement, the way he's built. So I think there's still like there's still potential. And of course, I'm going to mention him last because why wouldn't I? My boy Ty Johnson out of Maryland. <laughs> um, I I actually picked him up in fantasy and started him in another league on that down bad, but. He, I, you know, I seen a turb was pretty cool on on the field, and he's actually been, you know, kind of, you know, contributing a little bit. So there's some hope. Let's, you know, listen. It's the Jets. I know it's tough, but 
let's uh, let's see what they could do. At least try, you know, at least try to play and stick and compete and uh, maybe get a win here this week. They should. This is a winnable game for the Jets. Everyone knows it. Um, they're three point underdogs this week, but I still think that this is a game that they could easily win and beat Miami because Miami's coming. I think Miami. This could be um, a little bit of a, a letdown game here. They beat Baltimore last week. They're coming off. They're you know they're they're riding that that victory, and this could be a spot where they go into New York and guess what? The Jets surprise them and they, and they get a win. So look for that to happen. I'm I'm definitely gonna be watching um, on Sunday. Just you know I'll I'll be glancing on the game. One thing, Gavin, to your point of these college running back duos, it almost seems like the guy who tends to go second seems to be the better of the two. Look at the perfect uh, analogy here is Georgia with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. You know, Sony Michelle got all the hype coming out. Nick Chubb was the guy who translated to the NFL the best. If you look at that duo in uh, UNC, I think we could very well see a similar thing happen. And I'll tell you what, though, Javante Williams is still a very good football player. Oh, absolutely. I will, I will say that. So that is very good to see. So I think the Broncos got them, you know, themselves something. But like, if that trend sticks true, that means Michael Carter could maybe be very good because I think Javante Williams is still very good running back, um, and he will be for Denver. Him and Melvin Gordon, that's a decent duo back there. So definitely, I was gonna say I I hope you are correct with that. I would love that. But um, with Javante Williams, I think it's a little going to be a little bit more challenging like you mentioned with Melvin Gordon it could be a sick duo but it could also hold back Williams from being you know not the every down back but at least getting the bulk of the carries um with Carter's case it, it, it's it's up for grabs like as of right now I'd say he's the guy and he's got it Javante Williams take, is still, yeah, yeah he, he's still fighting for snaps with uh Melvin Gordon but either way both these guys are are I think they're just studs and just you know still young you know, Carter was a fourth or a fifth round pick. I think that was a great pick for the Jets. And it's it's nice to see the Jets having a late round pick, getting a decent amount of time on the field and doing well because it doesn't happen a lot. It just goes to show that you don't need the draft running backs in the first three rounds. <clears throat> Saquon Barkley. Okay, excuse me. Uh, moving on to the Giants. <laughs> <No? laughs> yeah, so this week um... – Monday night football, actually, it will be the Giants traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady um, coming off their second straight loss. I can't believe I'm saying that, but they're coming off their second straight loss and they just recently lost to the Washington football team. They were still the dumbest name in sports. Yes, of course. Um, The nine and a half point underdog Washington football team um, that Tampa Bay loses on the road. They played atrocious. Brady played atrocious, especially in the first half. He was god-awful. And a Washington team that their defense has been awful. Um, They just lost Chase Young for the year and for potentially a few weeks of next year with the torn ACL. Awful, awful news for Washington. Their defense, so obviously their defense just got a whole lot worse, and they were playing pretty bad this year, and yet they were able to stymie that Bucks offense um, for for the game, holding them to, not, to 19 points, and meanwhile still managing to drive the football down the field effect, uh, effectively with Taylor Heineke, you know, as their quarterback. And obviously Heineke is not very good in my opinion, but he's a scrappy guy. I think he finds a way to make plays. That's what I like about him. Um, and the Bucks, Jesus. So that's why I am not. I honestly wanted the Bucks to win so bad against Washington because of the fact that obviously I knew they play the Giants now. And I think they're, they're on a two game losing streak. I think they're coming. Brady wants us bad. I think this is, I think this is the one I know the Giants always play the Buccaneers close. They always have, um, and they've played Brady particularly well, but I think this could be the one where he finally, you know, puts, puts um, a stopper on the leakage here because they're coming off that embarrassing loss to Washington and, Giants, I don't know. They could be in some trouble down down in South Florida. So, do you want some good news, Gavin? I do. I'd like to hear it. Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas returned to practice today, according to Giants.com, and Joe Judge says he expects to see him on the field with the team this okay. this week. This week, so he's probably he probably won't play this week against the Bucks. I don't think. If they're, they're optimistic, he could play Monday. 
Oh, with really? The extended, with the okay. Day. Now so, that because it's a Monday night game, they're hoping he can play. Okay. That makes me feel a lot better. But I will say this. Um, that has been such a tough spot for the Giants, having Thomas not be there. And, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go on the record. I was one of those um, detractors who hated the pick with him, you know, with us having four and that there are I four. I tried to defend that pick to you, Gab. You did. No, and I give you credit because I'll tell you what, this Thomas kid has turned out to be a hell of a, a freaking football player. He really is. Um, he is a vital part of keeping Daniel Jones safe and making sure that that guy is able to have some time and get some passes off and find the open receiver. Because let me tell you something, I, you know, the Giants have been able to hold you know, hold, hold their ground the last few games, but that offensive line is God awful without Andrew Thomas on it, especially. So um, to hear that he could potentially play Monday, um, like especially against that, you know, that Bucks front seven, like uh, that's, that's good to hear. Alrighty. And with that, I think we will move to everybody's favorite section. Let's call it that. Why not? Of our it podcast. Is. The Gambler's Corner. Boys, take us away. So, Mickey, uh, I, I want you to start. I really do. Oh, uh, you want me to start? Oh, yeah, okay. I do. Yeah, I want you to start. Uh, oh, wait, first, so, uh, first, first, we must recap last week's incredible success. Um, To quickly recap. Oh, and six. Now, moving on. So, introducing our second week of the Gambler's Corner, me and Gav, we're not looking to go six and oh. You know, we're looking to chip away. You know, you, you got to win one at a time. If I if we win one out of the combined, that's progress, right? So, I that was is true. I was actually Wait. debating the Giants Monday night pick, but um, I think you're right. I think Tom Brady's not losing three games in a row, and if anything, I think he's coming out and he's going to beat them by 30. Yeah. So I decided to stay away from that pick. It it actually took me a lot to stay away from that pick. Watch the Giants cover now. But um, so yeah, tough week. I had a huge, huge loss to the Titans, man. They 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 just sold. I should have been one and two. Uh, but whatever. It is what it is. So um <clears throat> my first pick, I'm going with the Colts plus seven at Buffalo. Now, Buffalo at home is scary especially after just murdering the Jets. But um, I think this is a Colts defense that is pretty solid. This is also a Bills offense that got almost blanked by the Jaguars. Um, I could see Jonathan Taylor having a big game here. I could see Wentz finding uh, Pittman for a touchdown or two here. I really do like the Colts plus a touchdown. I think a touchdown is a lot to give a solid team here. And I think the Colts kind of last week playing Jacksonville just went up early and sort of just – took that lead and ran with it and didn't have to play too much. You know, they went down the field, took down the game, got a field goal to, to secure a six-point lead and win the game. So I could see, not that the Colts are going to get out hot, but I really, I think a touchdown's a lot here, and I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it with the Colts. Book it. Uh, you know, I actually like that pick too. And actually, last time they played, they actually played each other in Buffalo for that playoff game when I think during COVID, right? During that COVID that um, the, uh, playoff. Phillip, that was Philip Rivers' last stand. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the Colts played played them pretty close. Am I am I wrong or no? I believe it was a eight point win for Buffalo. It was yeah. it was single digits. Yeah, it was it was, it was close. So a, a touchdown here, you know, it, it's gonna be close. Um, I think that's a, a decent pick, though. Uh, for my pick, first starting off the week, I have the Ravens. I'm taking the, you know, I'm taking the points, four and a half on the road against the Chicago Bears. Um, I think it's just to me, it's it's simple logic here. Ravens are coming off that tough road loss, that embarrassing loss against the Miami Dolphins. I they're going to need to respond here, um, and the AFC North is up for grabs. Browns lost to the Patriots. The Steelers tied with the Lions. And <laughs> the Ravens obviously lost to the, um, like I just said, the Dolphins. And then the Bengals were on a bye week. So everything is is kind of jumbled up in the AFC North. It's for the taking. I think the Ravens, I think, yeah, I think the Ravens um, are probably the best team out of those teams. And I'm going to take them on the road to respond. 
after losing to Miami um, four and a half against the Bears. The Bears stink, in my opinion. They can't move the ball on offense. And their defense is actually pretty good, but I think Lamar Jackson will be able to get the job done by more than four and a half. That's just my opinion. I just wonder with this, if a, a, a defense like the Bears, if they can, and not just them, but for future, if teams can see, you know, almost maybe figuring out Lamar Jackson, like sort of, kind of, not 100%. If you watch that game against Miami, what Miami did was what Brian Flores did. He took advantage of the fact that Baltimore really doesn't have a difference maker at wideout. And not they, at all. They just blitzed like six dudes all game. That's what they did. They just kept blitzing six guys. So they had an unblocked blitzer unless they blocked the running back. And it left a point where these receivers had to win one-on-one matchups. The thing was Miami had the corners to do that. Does Chicago? That's the question. Yeah, and that's a good point. But I just think now this is, isn't even about like I'm not even looking at statistics and, and formations and schemes. I'm just looking at strictly yeah. the Ravens really need to win this game. And I think they can do it against the Bears. And I think four and a half is a tad low. I think they should be – I think they could be – realistically, if I was setting this line, I think it would be more like six and a half um, okay. to, or six. Um, I think four and a half is a little low. So I'm going to take the points. All right. So moving on to my second pick. I'm 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 saying this now. If this one does not hit, ah, I think Jesus. I have, I think I have to cancel. I just think I have to cancel. The fact that the Packers are only a two point favorite against the Vikings shocks me. This could be a tie game. Rodgers drives down field goal. Packers cover. That to me, I don't know how is possible. I know that Rodgers didn't go to practice today. Apparently, it wasn't anything with COVID or whatnot. It was a toe injury. Obviously, he played last week against the, uh, the Seahawks. Um, so it was a toe injury or something like that. He, he said he's definitely playing Monday. Nothing to be concerned about there. I, I just can't see the Packers not beating the Vikings. I know, you know, AFC North rivals in Minnesota. I'm probably going to be coming out next Thursday saying, I can't believe the Packers lost, but – I, I just minus two is Aaron Jones. Was that an ACL injury or no? What was no, it? It is an MCL sprain. And he'll be, be yeah, one, one to two won't weeks. Play. He won't oh, one okay. to two weeks. He's out. I'm, he won't be I'm not even worried like about him. that. I, I still love AJ Dillon. I think he's a solid back. And I'm, I'm praying if I go one for two, I'm praying it's this one. So Packers minus two at me. I, I will say this about that pick. Um, this is going to be a week where Vegas is going to need. Minnesota to win so bad because I think a lot of people's are going to a lot of people are going to tease the Packers I think they're going to um I think that also minus two people see that they're a field goal could get the job done which is maybe a little bit maybe it's good that you got the line now before it jumps up to a field goal because in my opinion that's exactly what it's going to come down to it always liked this with the Vikings for some reason Mike Zimmer can never have that standout win Everything's always got to be close. Because and Mike the Packers Zimmer is an overrated coach. I know, but I, I still, but still, but still, that team back. but still, but still, every Vikings game is close. That is exactly why the line is that they're at home. The rivalry, um, that is a tough pick. I think it is such a trap pick, but I think it 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 can easily work out in your favor. I think it easily could. I think the pack, you know, the Packers could just. Win I mean, a it field should, goal. but the Packers should win by at least a field goal. But I, yeah, family, it, it's minus two for a reason. You know, you're right. You know, you're definitely right. Yeah, I think Vegas though personally hopes that the people people hop on the Packers. I think they really do. And then the Vikings are going to come and kick that game winning field goal. You know, to win the game and finally get their win. Yeah, but um, what universe are you living in where you think the Vikings can make a clutch field goal? This, this team is to clutch field goals what the Falcons are to double-digit leads. That's that's the Vikings. Like no, I no, Andrew, I just think that there, there's a reason why the Packers are favored by two, though. I, I it's agree. because I agree. they I think agree. I think your, it's your because point is, your point is correct. Yeah. So I think that's definitely what it is. I think it's a risky pick. I think it could easily hit. I think also the Packers could freaking steamroll them too. You know, it's yeah, that's definitely possible. So I wish this was a primetime game though. You know, they they play primetime, I think week 17 in Green yeah. Bay. Oh, that's usually fine. Yeah, if it's primetime, I'm hammering the year, Packers. Yeah. You know, Kirk Cousins, you don't know, he don't know how to perform in primetime. You're right. But. So uh yeah, so my second pick of the week, I had the Arizona Cardinals 
Um, two and a half, taking the points once again. Um, actually, all three picks, I'm actually taking points, but I don't care. Cardinals, uh, I'm taking two and a half points in Seattle. Um, and I don't know. This one maybe could bite me in the ass. I really, this could be a, also a trap pick. They're expecting Kyler Murray to come back this week. Um, I don't know about De- DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm pretty sure that Murray is going to play this week. And that's why I picked it so early to get the number to not get, to get the number at two and a half. Because that was my Murray, question. If Ky- is Kyler yeah, playing? So I took this hoping that Murray will play and I got a good value because that should be higher. The Seahawks stink. Um, I don't care that Russell Wilson's back. I think they still stink. Um, Russell Wilson um, got shut out for the first time in his career last week against the Packers. Obviously it's a tough environment to play your first game off, you know, the injured list, but Cardinals are a legit team this year. They really are. And honestly, they're coming off an embarrassing loss within themselves to what Carolina, they should not have gotten killed by Carolina like that. I get that they're, they have guys out, but that game should be a lot more competitive, not 31. What was it? The 10, what, what, the, what the heck was the score? They they won by two or three scores, three scores, I think. So Cardinals bounce back two and a half at Seattle. Seattle stinks. I I hope Arizona wins that game. I want that draft pick, man. Yeah, 100% <laughs> for you. Yeah. So um, my last pick for this, the uh, Panthers are actually a three and a half point favorite. I don't like the hook. If this is allowed in the segment, I'm going to buy it. It's allowed. You can gonna, that's. I think the most you could buy is a point. Yeah, in my I'm gonna. Well, I'm just buying a half. I'm, you know, I'm buying the hook back, so I'm gonna get it down at three. I think, I think a field goal is doable. Washington just lost Chase Young, and that's gonna give me and my fantasy, my team, Christian McCaffrey, all day on the ground and in the air. Give it to Christian McCaffrey. I don't really got much to say other than McCaffrey being healthy, Chase Young not being healthy, Panthers minus three. Cam Newton, I like the flashes. Give me um, minus three. I, I actually like this pick a lot, and it was something I was looking at. And, um, I'm just kind of going a little bit different. Um, but I think the Panthers, I like the pick. Um, they're at home. I really, really like the pick. They, I, With McCaffrey being in the lineup for Carolina, the team looks completely different. I don't even care if Darnold's hurt, really. Um, P.J. Walker, honestly, is not terrible. I know there's backup. I know there's a few there's a few bad throws he makes and maybe it results in a turnover or two and I get it and it's annoying but for a backup quarterback like that PJ Walker really isn't bad. He could sling the ball. He's played professional football. He was I you know I maybe you might laugh but he was tremendous in the XFL. XFL like really MVP was, baby. I mean he really was good. So like he knows how to throw sling the football around and he knows how to do I think a good enough job where they should be able to take care of Washington at home. By more than a field goal. That crowd's gonna be wild. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, that game is also meaningful because now the NFC is close again for a point for that. The Panthers have a wild card spot right now. Yeah, Panthers have a third wild card. That's an important game. I like the pick, I really do. And then to close out this week's gambling corner, um, I have the Eagles minus two versus the Saints, and I think. I'm raising eyebrows by taking this pick. Um, it actually moved in your favor a half a point. Oh, so is is it one and a half now? Yeah, I just I was looking it up just to make sure everything was accurate. Yours actually moved just within the past half hour. hour so do I, I get one and a half or do I get two? What did you you didn't book it yet, right? Uh, I might. Ch- no, I might. You got one and a half. You got. All one right. So Eagles That's one what and a half. Reading. Okay, so Eagles one and a half on my book. It was two, so it, it, it's between two and one and a half. But whatever the number is, I like the Eagles. Um, the Saints, man, the Saints confused me, dude. They had no business covering last week against the Titans, and they freaking covered. I had Titans minus three. Um, as one, uh, Ricky had it as one of his picks for the gambling corner. But I, I bet, yeah, no, I bet on it separately. They had no business covering that game. The Titans thoroughly outplayed them, and Trevor Simeon, man, he was able to lead that one drive down the field that got them with, what, in two or three? What was it, three? I forget what it was. Were they tied? I forget. What was it? They got within, like, uh, they were covering. I think it was two. They got within two points. Two, I believe. I believe believe it was, like, 17. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Exactly my point. They got within that two to be able to cover, 
And I was honestly outraged because I don't. I thought they had no business covering that game. 23-21 Tennessee. Was the final yeah, yeah. It was a nine-point game. They went down, got a touchdown, and covered. Yeah, so that is just some sh- really shitty luck. And I, so I, I don't think the Saints are kind of good. I don't think they're they're very good at all. They're going to get Kamara back this week, I think, for the Eagles. But can I ask uh, you, is good this year in football? Because this year is so wild. Yeah, no, you're right. But for in terms of the pick, maybe you you might be asking, oh, why take the Eagles? I will. I hate the Eagles as much as the next guy, but I will say this: they are the second best team in the NFC East, in my opinion. Um, they I play think everybody tough. Yeah, they've played a lot of teams tough. They've been some, you know, some good teams. I feel like, or like at least a, a team or two, they beat. Um, they beat the Chargers, did they not? No, is that Dallas? They barely lost. The they Chargers. barely lost the Chargers. Who? Uh, so they play teams tough, um, and. They, who they killed? They, they killed Denver last week, Denver. who is who had great success against the NFC East and were at home at Mile High, such a tough stadium to play at. And the Eagles went right in there and killed them. Um, it, and I, Eagles, second best team in the division. They're at home at the link. The link is a, as much as I hate those people and I hate the stadium <laughs> and I hate Philadelphia, they, it's a raucous crowd. And I don't think the Saints are that good. I think the Eagles can can hold their own. I think Jalen Hurts is actually kind of good. I really do. I think he's like okay, and I think their offense is sustainable. I think it, it's it's not the greatest. It's not the it's not the weakest though. So I think it, it's it's could get the job done on a Saints defense that's really okay. So the Eagles, Eagles have four losses. The Eagles have four losses this year with less points than a touchdown. Exactly, and those could if you get two or three of those to flip and guess what they're right in the playoff spot so eagles one and a half first the saints at at home and yeah no so i'm actually kind of confident in these picks this week i said that last week you know oh and six you literally we if we go one and five we did better than oh and six so we hit rock bottom week one this this no better time to do it right no yeah no better time to reverse only go up so we got Colts plus seven, Packers minus two, Panthers minus three, Ravens minus four and a half, Cards minus two and a half, Eagles minus one and a half. Book it. Six and oh. Yes, sir. All right. And I think that's going to do us here. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's going to do it here for us at Grand Central Sports. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, shout out to the fans. I really appreciate your support. Uh, For Ricky Valerio and Gavin O'Grady, I'm Andrew Ventura, and this is GCS signing off.